welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. I'm so excited that you're here today. If this is your first time listening, this podcast was specifically made for you, the ambitious woman entrepreneur, as you're growing your business, because I want you to have access to not only the tools, the tips, the advice, the strategies, but also the very real life experience from some amazing women entrepreneurs who have built incredible companies and have a lot of wisdom to share and to make sure that you know that you are not alone on this journey. It is not a perfect one. And every single one of my guests will attest to that. I'm really, really excited for today's episode for a couple of reasons. Number one, because the conversation was amazing. I'm about to tell you about that. But number two, because this is the first time in months that I have actually done a podcast interview in my home office. If you listen to my solo episode from a couple of months ago, you know that I had to get an outside office for many reasons. The main one was because I have a very loud bird at home and he's taking a little bit of a break up at my husband's parents' house and may may live there for a little while. <laughs> he's just experimenting being up there. So I am taking advantage of the quiet in my house and actually doing some podcast interviews, which is really awesome. I'm here today to share with you a really amazing conversation with Louisa Joe. She's one of the best teachers of online businesses that I have ever come across. And you'll know it because during our conversation, she breaks down a few super simple steps explaining how you can grow your online business. It's not easy, she says, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Louisa knows because she's built a multiple seven-figure business following the steps that we outlined during today's conversation. She started out as an executive in a corporate job doing digital marketing for her company. Soon, she transitioned into her own business, offering those same services she was doing during her day job. As her clientele grew, she began to get people asking her all the time, how did you do that? So she began teaching others how to quit their jobs while building their own business. And within her first year of doing that, she had hit $1 million in sales. Louisa now has a thriving business, helping people break free from their nine-to-five jobs as they build their own online businesses. So during this conversation, Louisa and I discuss the two, count them two, simple steps to follow that could easily lead to a multiple seven-figure business. We talk about how to grow beyond that and have a ton of fun while you're doing it. We discuss the truth about testing everything as you grow and how testing is a consistent and natural part of the business growth process. She discusses the metrics that she paid attention to as she was testing and growing her business. She also shares how she's mindfully built a team that has supported her growth and yet doesn't have even one single full-time employee. So for those of you who are scared to grow because you don't want to manage people or build a team, this is the episode to listen to. And finally, she talks about how leveraging specialized contractors is a giant win-win. The question you can answer when you have finished listening to this episode is, where are you in this process? So that you can begin creating the online business that you deserve. So let's get into our conversation with Louisa. Louisa, I'm so, so ridiculously happy that you're here. (laughs) 
Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. This is Kismet. I had told Louisa that she had pitched me and I get a lot of pitches and I don't take a lot of pitches because I typically am sort of proactively programming what I know that my listeners are really wanting. And it just happened to be like on the day that I was scheduled to do some programming and like, okay, what topics are people asking for? And who do I know who does those topics? I was thinking about online business and how to do online business smart and intelligently and creatively and efficiently. And your pitch literally landed in my inbox. And I was like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> I got you. I got you, universe. Got that message. So I want to start by diving into the heart of what I know your knowledge base to be and asking you, how did you and why did you start your online business? What was it and how did that even begin? Yeah, I mean, speaking of kismet, it was just, it just came together. So when I was in the corporate world, I think this was about six years ago, my job at the time, I was a manager at a tech startup running digital advertising for really big companies like Mercedes and uh, uh, companies of that caliber. And this was right around the time when Facebook ads were starting to come out. And I remember thinking I wanted to build an online business, trying to figure out what I could do for myself and going online into Facebook groups at the time and see people ask questions about Facebook ads. And I had this moment where I literally thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I do at my job. So I didn't, I didn't even have anything I could sell, but I just messaged people and said, Hey, I do this in my job. I'm happy to answer your questions for free. If you'll just give me a few minutes of your time to answer some market research questions for me. And I did that. And actually the story of how I got my first client, I did that with her. I just answered her questions back and forth via email for free for about two weeks. And she actually reached out to me and said, Hey, you've given me so much value for free over these last few weeks. I know you're going to give me so much more if I hire you. So how can I hire you? And I actually had to say to her, okay, give me a week. Let me figure <laughs> out how to actually sell, like what to sell. And let's talk about it. And that's what I had to do. I just had to figure all that out and just whip something together. And we hopped on that call. I just talked it out to her. I was so nervous. I was sweating so much on that call. And she's like, okay, great. Let's do it. And that's how it got started. Oh my God. I love it. You know, I was telling the story to somebody the other day about the very first time that I sold my coaching services. And thank God it was to a friend who I had known for a long time. And we sat down and over the course of time, little by little, I'd been helping her and just sort of like strategizing with her and her business. And she sat down with me and we were having lunch. She basically described like, this is what I now need. This is what I need now. And I was like, I could help you with that. And she's like, well, I know you can. What do you, you know, what do you charge? And I vomited probably for like 10 minutes, which is way too long to talk about pricing. I vomited all over her about what it could be and the price point and all that stuff. And thank God that she could just see through all of that because I was sweating bullets too. I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God. And she said yes after all of that, despite that. And thank God she was a long time, long time client amazing. And I was able to really do some great work in her business, just like you did for your client. It's so funny, right? Exactly. It's, and that's just how it starts. Yeah. It has to be ugly like that. So you did that and obviously got better at it. I mean, that's really the bottom line. Anytime that we start something, we started ugly and we started imperfectly and we get better and better at it. So tell me a little bit about your experience as the owner of a company, like you got at some point, okay, I am running a business and I'm selling services and I'm doing that by, at least in the beginning, building relationships with people in Facebook groups, being able to at least speak and say, here's what I do and how I do it. Talk about when you realize, okay, I need to get smarter about this, about 
marketing myself, about having established packages and offerings. Talk about that transition from being the referred to person for a while to like officially making it like, no, I'm actually creating business system here. Yes. Okay. So this happened, I would say about a year into my current business. And so I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but the beauty of an online business is that you can scale it relatively quickly and especially when starting out. And there are pros and cons to that. But for me, I built that digital advertising consulting business, replaced my income in a few months. And uh, it was it was a good income. It was a six-figure salary. And people were starting to ask me, hey, how'd you do it? And so I gradually shifted into my current business, helping people go from employee to entrepreneur. And the reason I share that is because it just took off. Within my first year in this business, I had crossed over a million dollars in sales. Mm-hmm. And so to bring it back to your question... Uh, you, I, I just want to clarify real quick. So within the first year of you switching from agency to teacher mm-hmm. and coach, that's mm-hmm. when you made that million. Yes. That's a really exactly. interesting distinction. So, okay. So keep on going. Yes. So after that first year, I mean, I worked my butt off. I launched coaching programs and courses. And after that first year, I had to sit back and think, okay, what am I going to do next year and the year after that and so on to be able to repeat this without having to basically work my butt off every single year? And that's really when I started thinking about, okay, how do I drive the consistent traffic to be able to do this? How do I have the systems in place on the back end to be able to deliver? How do I consistently be able to sell without myself just doing all the live selling every single day? Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's when I really sat down and mapped out all of the different transitions I was going to have to make to be able to have those systems in place. How long, I say this knowing that the answer is it's never quite done, right? But how long did it take you from realizing that to starting to implement some of those things that you're talking about to (laughs) systematize a business and to be smart about your business operations? How long did it take you to feel like, okay, I'm finally in a flow with this? Yes. So caveating, like you just said, it's never done. Still a work in progress. I started trying to do that as soon as I realized that. So very quickly. However, I would say it took me a good two to three years Uh, before I felt good about the systems being in place. Um, Thank you. I wanted you to say that. Because I feel like myself included and so many of the women that I've coached, And I know so many of the women who listen to this podcast feel like, okay, like as soon as I know that I need systems and then I start putting systems into place, like put in a CRM, put in certain processes, certain tools to be able to like talk to the team, like, oh, that should happen immediately. Like I should get this, right? Because creating those systems and being a business builder is an entirely different job than being the one who's hustling and running and selling and doing the work of your business, right? Yes. That's intense. It's so much work. And initially, I want to say, like you were talking about the the two or three years it took me to do that. It felt like I was doing even more hustling, trying to get that in place. Yes. But it's the worthwhile work, right? So much so. And I always want to caveat how much work it took to lead up to this point. But at this point, it is really... Uh, my life is a lot of what people talk about when they say having the quote unquote passive income in the dream business where I just make sales, not because I started from day one and it was so easy, but because I now have the systems in place. And all of that is what makes it worth it. I love it. Let's then 
really put a snapshot on those two to three years, okay? Because this is what I really want you listening to get out of this. Basically, how do I do this? I have a business. I have money coming in. I have clients that I'm working with or customers who are buying my product, whatever that is. How do I now scale this? I have this online business. How do I now scale this in a way that doesn't feel like a hundred times more work? Can you take us through some steps on how to do that? Like, how do we, how do we get from, we've got a business model and it works and makes us money. And now what? Yes. Okay. So there are a few main areas that you really want to focus on systematizing. And the first one is taking whatever your main offer is. So for example, for me, my signature program employed entrepreneur is my flagship offer and it drives the majority of my revenue. And so figuring out, all right, what's a systematized way that I can sell that and scale it without having to deliver every single second if possible, or at least do it in a scalable way. So that's really what took me a good chunk of those two or three years. Because when I first started, I was delivering it as a live coaching program. And I tested adding program coaches. I tested only launching it and then once a year and then not having it available the rest of the year. And I tested so many different ways to sell it on Evergreen, which is essentially selling it all the time. And what I landed on after a ton of testing was a way to sell it as a self-study course. I had to update the program itself how I sold it, the, the marketing campaign to sell it successfully on Evergreen and how to deliver it. So I tested having myself do coaching calls, tested having program coaches just throughout the year, tested adding an automated sequence after someone buys the program so that they still feel supported. So many different ways to figure out, all right, how do I sell it? And how do I deliver it? Because without that, it doesn't matter how much traffic you have or how many sales you make, you're going to screw yourself over because yes. you can't deliver it. Uh, and so yes. I had to nail that piece down first. Whatever that looks like for us, it ended up being a very robust evergreen webinar funnel where we walk someone through a webinar on exactly what the course is, what they're going to get from it, what the value is, everything. Give them a few days to decide if they want to buy it or not. And then if they do, moving them into that sequence. And so that, like I said, took me a good two to three years to test. I love that you are really highlighting this because uh, the, the testing of it I think a lot of times we can get tripped up on trying to do that and knowing, okay, yeah, like I don't need to have this course be live all the time. Like I can really try to automate some of this stuff and we get tripped up and, and feel like we failed when the second attempt at doing it doesn't work. What metrics were you looking at while you were testing so that you knew what was working and what was not working? Everything. So <laughs> my, my background before I was in digital advertising, I was in engineering. So I'm very much, let's measure everything and break it down, that type of person. For example, I was testing a page traffic campaign to, to do all of this. And so I was measuring, okay, what's my cost per lead? What's my cost per sale? What's my conversion rate? For every 100 people who come in, how many people buy? What's the average sales cycle? How long before someone buys? And then I was also measuring on the webinar itself. What is the show-up percentage? What is the live sales percentage? How many people buy from the follow-up email campaign? How many people buy at 10 days, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Mm. And so I was measuring, I mean, those are the main metrics I was measuring, but everything you can think of, I was trying to see, okay, is this something that's going to, if I can improve it, lead to higher sales? If so, how can I measure it and optimize it? 
Love that. Love that. Okay. So that's a big one. But that first piece of advice is really identify your main service, right? Like yes. your, uh, your flagship product or service and yes. ask yourself how you can automate it. How can you continue to sell that without needing to show up all the time exactly. and test, 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 keep the numbers, keep the metrics and see what really works and keep on tweaking. Exactly. And I love that you mentioned specifically testing and not having to show up all the time, because I think there's this myth that to get this kind of funnel or products going, you have to have everything perfect, Mm. right? You're perfectly removed. It's perfectly automated. And eventually maybe you'll get it to that, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you are even showing up a little bit less or you have program coaches, that's a massive win. So don't discount that either. Yeah. Uh, that's so good. And you know, a very typical way you can even look at, okay, how can I scale my time? So if you're somebody who you're a service-based business and so you make money every time you show up, therefore, you know, dollars for hours, which is totally awesome, by the way, you just ask yourself, okay, how can I make more money for that time period? That oftentimes leads to, can I have kind of like a, what I'm going to call a group coaching program or can multiple people at one time get value from me during this time instead of just one, right? Or can many clients come to this one thing instead of just one client coming to one thing? And then going to like, okay, how can I record what I'm saying and doing because I'm saying it all the time? (laughs) And then how can I program all of that stuff, right? And productize that. Exactly. Love it. Okay. Where do you go from there? Then once you're tweaking that, once you're looking at all the metrics, once you're taking that flagship program and really going deep with it as much as you can, then what? So after you've got that down, the second piece is, look, the truth is at some point it is about the numbers. The more people you drive towards that, the more of the right people, right? The more sales you're going to make. So once you've got that ready to scale, then you scale it. And so what we did next was we tested a ton of paid advertising. We're talking Facebook, YouTube. In the past, I te- years ago, I tested LinkedIn and Twitter as well. But right now, the majority of our paid traffic comes from Facebook and YouTube. Really testing, all right, what's the audience? What campaigns can we use? What ads can we spend? All of that to scale it, to see how many of the right people can we get this offer in front of to drive more sales and help more people. Yes. Love that. Now I will say that number one, I love that you're talking about paid advertising Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's ironically something that we don't talk about a lot. Like we're supposed to be all ever, you know, omnipresent on social media. And just by doing that, we're supposed to be getting a lot of like content marketing, which is great. That's awesome. Awesome conversation. However, this is all about putting dollars down And once you have that system in place where you know what that converts, you know that $100 in advertising will equal X amount of paid things or $1,000 in advertising will equal X amount of paid clients or people or products. I don't want anyone to be scared of paid advertising is basically what I'm saying. Like really like jump into that. I gave a presentation recently about creative ways to market your podcast. And I actually had pay for advertising on there. And I was like, I can't, I can't believe I'm putting this on a creative one. (laughs) It doesn't seem to be the norm right now. So I love that you're saying that and testing out what paid advertising 
platforms really work for you. So you said that you've been in a couple different paid advertising platforms before. Why are you now with Facebook and YouTube and not the others? Yeah, it all goes back to the testing, right? So the thing with paid advertising is there's so much room to scale. It's a lot faster than having to build your audience organically via social media or content marketing, which like you said, is massively important. We, we do that too, but it's, it's not mutually exclusive, right? So what we did was we tested, all right, for each dollar that we spend on these platforms, how much are we making back? For each $100, how much are we making back? And so we were on top of that every day. I was meeting with my advertising agency every single day to track our numbers, to make sure we weren't just throwing money down the drain because that is, that can happen as well. Yeah. And what we realized was that Facebook and YouTube far outperformed the other channels. After we tested enough, instead of trying to just make every channel work for us, we figured, okay, these are the channels that are working really well. There's so much potential to scale. We're going to continue doubling down on these. Love, love, love that. Okay. How long did you give yourself to test those out of curiosity? <laughs> so long. So the two or three years I mentioned earlier, a lot of that was while... It, because I wasn't building my, my campaigns, my delivery system in a vacuum. I had to have people go through them to test it. And so during that time, I was spending in a very smart way with my money on advertising. Right. Right. And so that entire time, then mm. after I would say about two, two and a half years, once I really nailed down my campaign, my conversion campaign, then we spent, I would say another half a year to a year focusing exclusively on just nailing down the paid traffic component as well. Beautiful. Don't be afraid to spend money on paid traffic. And in order for that money to not go down the drain, watch your numbers. Would you give advice about a certain budget to play? Meaning like, like here's what I've done for the Women's Meditation Network. You know, when I first started doing paid advertising, I was like, I have no idea what this is going to be or what this is going to do. Let me do my best to create a cool ad, right? To have it do what I want it to do. And let me just, I'm going to budget, I, I don't know, in those early months, I think I was like 50 bucks a month. There's just something basic, right? Like 50 bucks a month. Let me just see what can happen for the first couple of months. And let me see what works, what doesn't, who comes to it, who doesn't, all that sort of stuff. So do you have any advice for somebody if they're just initially starting with paid advertising? Yes. Yes, I do. So there's so many different ways to think about it. Like in the long term, you will get to a point if you're focused on this, where you're no, you know, okay, this is how much I make per lead I drive. This is what I can expect long term from my customers, and so you'll be able to back into how much you're comfortable spending. However, knowing that that's down the road, when you're starting out, all of that can feel really overwhelming. And so there are two common ways I recommend thinking about it. The first is what you just shared which is what amount are you comfortable spending where you know you're going to be smart with money. You're not just going to spend it and just sit back and hope for the best, but you're not going to be stressed out and constantly monitoring your ad spend every second. Because when you're in that zone, you're setting yourself up for basically bad decisions made out of desperation. Mm -hmm. And so for some people, it might be $50 a month. Like you said, maybe it's a hundred, maybe it's whatever that number is to start with that and to test it, set certain goals. Like maybe the first month you decide, okay, let me see what my baseline cost per lead is. Then the next month, okay, let me see after I drive a hundred people, however long that takes through my campaign, if I can get even one sale, two sales, whatever that looks like based on the price of your product. 
The other way I recommend thinking about it initially is based on the price of your product. So if you have a $500 product and you can think, okay, if I spend $500 to test, make even one sale, then I'll have broken even and I'll have learned so much from this first test. And I can feel good about that. So that gives you kind of a a boundary as well to aim for. So you're not just endlessly throwing money down the drain. Love that. Uh, Okay. So far, two great steps. I got it. So step number two is really paid advertising and getting smart and actually zoning in on the marketing, how you are getting people into your program. Exactly. Okay. How do we continue to scale? So from there, it really is a few things. So everything we've talked through so far, this will get you to seven, multiple seven figures a year. It's I don't want to say it's easy, right? Because there's a lot that goes into it. Like we talked about, it's definitely not easy, but it's not that complicated. Way too often I see entrepreneurs just rolling out product after product to reach a certain income goal. And instead, if you not perfect, but really nail down, because nothing's ever perfect, but if you get it good enough, your one core product, the audience, and you're scaling it, that's enough. So at this point, uh, we're talking about what everything I've done has gotten me to annually multiple seven figures per year. Now, what's next after that is this is where it starts getting really fun, where you are thinking about, okay, what other products can I offer? What other sources of traffic can I bring in? And those are really the two main levers that you want to be focusing on now that you've nailed this first thing. So first, you want to get all the low-hanging fruit. Can I improve my conversions for my existing core offer? Can I drive more traffic? Can I drive other sources of traffic? So nowadays, we have paid traffic, but we also have been working on organic traffic. So SEO content or SEO, YouTube, social media, affiliates, all of those things that sometimes take a little bit longer. Or if you're working with affiliates, they want to see a little bit more proof for what you convert at. All of those things that are now made slightly easier because you've got a main traffic source already going on. Aside from that, then on the back end, I'm also thinking about what other offers can I add? So I have my core product. That's for anyone who wants to do it themselves. But if someone wants to get my coaching, I have a higher-end coaching mastermind. I have a very high-end private coaching program. And so those are just uh, really fun pieces that massively boost your profitability without you really doing anything additionally because you have the same sources of traffic. You're someone who buys your course and loves it, some people will want to work with you at a higher level. Right. And then aside from that, this naturally builds your audience and your list as well. So people who've bought the course or maybe it wasn't a good fit for them, now you can offer them other offers. And so this year in my business, or in the last, I would say, two years, we really started focusing on creating other smaller offers that I really enjoy creating and really talking about them in a way that complements everything else I talk about. But maybe it's just what someone needs instead of my, my core offer. And so that's really the the kind of later on piece that you really get to enjoy and do to scale after you've addressed all the points that we just talked about. I love it. I love it. I want to fill in the gaps with the back end of all of this stuff, which is how your team, how you and your team have grown this whole time. And you don't need to go into way in depth, but one of the biggest fears that I have seen that holds women back from scaling and really stepping into growing a multiple seven plus figure business, whatever they want, is they think 
oh, in order to grow, in order to be more profitable, I need to have more people on my team. That's this way to scale, right? And I think that that's an old school model and that absolutely doesn't have to be the way, especially if you have an online business. So talk a little bit about what your team looks like now and maybe some nice little pro tips that you have on building a team to support your scaling online business. Yes. So this is the beauty of an online business where you don't need to worry about having a massive team to handle all of the things normally that you would do in say a physical product-based or basically most other types of businesses. Let's just put it at that. Even nowadays, and I'll share the specifics in just a second, I don't have anyone full-time on my team. The reason we've been able to do that is because like we just talked about, we've automated and systematized as many things as possible so that we have people focusing on the things that really only people can focus on, not wasting their times on things that can be automated. Mm. So the very first hire I made in this business, who I have worked with for the past five, six years, was a customer support person. Basically, there are so many names for the customer support, VA, virtual admin, whatever you want to call that role. And this was someone who I said, hey, look, I am ready to outsource my customer support and I need someone to help me handle this. And at that point, I had handled so much of my customer support. I could just say, hey, look at the way I've handled these in the past and let's create some standard operating procedures and responses based on what I have done. And so I was working with her and had her do that. And we ramped up bit by bit. I didn't expect her from day one to do everything on her own. And I think that's very key as well. Very key. And so from there, she helped me with that. And then as I saw that she was someone who was really trustworthy and just got me and what I was trying to communicate with my audience, she also moved, we moved her into handling some of my operation setup. So by that, I mean, setting up my email delivery, like sending out my newsletters, doing anything on the back end for my website. And I'm not talking about design, right? That's completely separate, but just really basic setups if I needed page duplicated. So having her handle a very set amount of tasks that were really predefined, we were really clear on, okay, so you are a ops and customer support role. And that's her role. And then as my audience grew and we got more customer support requests, we added on someone under her to really help her support that. And so we also have redundancy if she wants to go on vacation, basically. Right, right, right. So that's that role. Those, I would say that's my biggest team function. And aside from that, everything else is I'm just really great at working with contractors who mm. I can outsource things to. Yes. So I, I have a video editor, but again, that doesn't need to be a full-time role. I have a salesperson to handle the sales conversations for my higher-end coaching programs. Again, not a full-time role. I have a designer who I work with on all my projects as needed, a copywriter, uh, who else, a social media manager, and I'm sure there are one or two other small roles that I'm missing, but essentially it's just I'm not managing anyone full-time and I'm making it very clear. This is not a corporate company where you're with me. We're advancing you through the ranks. I'm managing you. I hire specifically for people who want the same things I do. Had to have a really great job in terms of who you're supporting and what you're working on, but also to have the freedom of not being in a corporate role and to be self-driven so that you're able to create that life for yourself. And I think is what I just said, finding the people who have that same goal. They're not people who are wanting to have a certain title or be managed. They want the same things as you and they're happy to work with you in that way. 
I think this is one of the best setups and some of the most successful entrepreneurs that I see now, success from the inside out. Like they have outwardly very successful businesses, but they're super happy and they're loving it and they're just in flow. Those are the ones who I see, like you hire for the expertise, right? So instead of having like, five employees who sort of do a bunch of everything. And even though they have job descriptions and stuff like, no, you're actually hiring the agency who does Facebook ads. And that's what they do for X amount of clients at a really high level. And there's so much benefit to that because boom, you've got the expert. They're usually kept because they have to be kept really up to date on their craft and on their skill set, And so you're always getting the best of the best of what that agency or person or team brings to the table for you. I love that you pointed that out because I mean, this is such a key difference between how you hire in the corporate world. Because I remember now that you mentioned it, I had to make a lot of hires in my last corporate role. And what we hired for was the, the attitude, right? And you hear this a lot, hire for the right attitude and you can teach them. Sure, you can do that in a corporate setting. But when you're super specialized, you know exactly who you need for what, and you don't want to be managing people, you need to hire for the specific role. Yes, the attitude is needs to be there too, but yeah. you're not going to be wanting to teach them all of those things that they need to know. No, no. Uh, and it's so good. And it really, for those who might have a hesitation or even a fear of scaling because you don't want to grow a team because you don't want to manage people because you're like, I don't want to manage people. I don't want to have to do that. This is a really good opening for you to see. You don't have to because when somebody, let's say, for example, I'll just use that same example. If somebody has a Facebook ads agency, they're incentivized to do a crazy, amazing, <laughs> great job for you because you are paying them, right? Exactly. So you really don't have to manage that. I mean, of course, you got to do your due diligence, make sure they're good, test them out a few times. But you know, once you get into a flow with them, they're of course, they're full of integrity and they're going to do yes. their job and they're going to do it great. They have to, otherwise they're going to lose your business. Exactly. And they themselves are entrepreneurs. So they have that entrepreneur's mindset where they're not waiting for you to tell them what to do, right? Of course, you still need to set the expectations Expectations. Let's be clear about that. But they're very much self-driven. And like you said, they have their own <laughs> motivations and reasons outside of your success for wanting to succeed with you. Yes, I love it. Oh, Louisa, this has been such a great conversation. I feel like this is like the most simple version of how to grow and scale an online business in the most simplest terms, which I think is really good. And I love that you're here to identify this because you're right. I, you said this earlier, growing and scaling a business is not simple, but it doesn't have to be complicated. It actually isn't complicated. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's Exactly. Especially this type of business. We're not growing like a Facebook or an Uber or something like that where you know your audience, you know what you want to serve. If you are comfortable making six, seven, multiple seven figures, this is all you need. So for you listening, where you would start as far as taking action from this conversation is asking yourself, where am I in this process? Yes. Do I already have a quote unquote productized version of what I do? Or do I, am I still trying to figure out exactly what my special niche is? And therefore I'm testing with a lot of clients on like, what is my specialty? What is my process? What is my program that I take people through that gets results, right? Where are you in this process? And then just take this advice, get really good at specializing and, and niching that niching is the wrong word, but really knowing exactly what that program product service really is the best way that you can productize it 
start driving traffic to it, start paying for advertising and test, test, test all the way along. And then once you really got that system down, then you can get creative and think of some other ways to be able to drive an income. So Louisa, I want to end this conversation by asking you, what are you focused on now? With all of these things, I mean, you've gone through and you have gone through and continue to go through, right? Like we're continuing to really work and tweak this whole process and this system that you're talking about, which I know that you are, but where are you now and what are you really focused on? What are you really excited about? Yeah. So I have two things I'm really excited about. One is forming bigger and bigger partnerships and getting everything I have to share out there with as many people who are the right people as possible. And that's because, I mean, it took me years to wrap my head around this and get confident at this point, because I've coached literally thousands of people. I know like, Hey, what I've got works. I've honed my own coaching skills as well. And now I'm ready to partner with bigger partners and leverage the the strength partnerships to get this in front of more people versus the doing it alone via paid traffic and all those things we talked about that I've done over the last few years. So that's a huge focus of mine. And the other focus is like we talked about earlier at this point, because I've I've myself learned so much more, worked with people, gained so much more experience over the last few years. I've got so much other new products I want to share with my audience. Really having fun and developing those and getting those out there, that's something that is very much a a passion-based focus of mine nowadays. I love it. Louisa, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for bringing your wisdom to the table. I'm going to go ahead and put a link to your website in the show notes. So if you want to find out more about Louisa's program, which I highly recommend that you do, go and click on the link in the show notes. Louisa, thank you so much for your time, my dear. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. 